Welcome to Brother to Brother. I'm Clay Stevenson. And I'm Brian Stevenson. And we're here for episode number nine. Hey, you're keeping track. That's awesome. Yeah, man. One of my coworkers listened in, so that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah, and they say anything positive, or they just said they listened in? Because that, that means they really didn't like it. They said, uh, <laughs> well, it was in, it was, we got interrupted before we could really get into it. Of course. So I have to go back and fish for some compliments. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of those. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you look fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the, uh, I find myself giving the, um, uh, it's a compliment, but it's, it's like the lowest form of compliment by saying, Oh, it's not terrible. <laughs> right. Exactly. I just say that about myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm not it terrible. Could have been worse. <laughs> so what's been going on, man? You had some stuff planned out last week and we didn't, we didn't get around to it. Yeah, we closed on our new place last week ago, Wednesday, and then Saturday. So Friday when we usually record, we're prepping for the big Saturday move. And for us, the big move meant uh, basically digging up all of the plants from our backyard here and moving them to the new place. So we enlisted some help. I don't know if they were expecting to come out and move furniture, but instead they they were given shovels and were digging holes. Nice. Yeah. So cool. You had some people show up. Yeah, it was fun. I just kind of sent a text and and I figured if people showed up, we would use the help. I got the next to largest U-Haul thinking it would be plenty big. And then we filled it to the brim. Wow. With your stuff? So, no, so with you, all those plants. Oh, so all you, plants. oh, plants. Yes. Oh, so actually you didn't move furniture. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, I think that's what everybody else said too when they showed up to help us move. I think I'd probably oh. enjoy moving the plants rather than the furniture. Dude, the weather was perfect. Got outside, worked, and uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to post a, a YouTube video to our Sweepy Orchard page that kind of documents the the plant move. So y'all excited? Does it process. look like uh, you got a lot of cleared, a lot of cleared area there that plants so will much. thrive? Yeah, it looks like it. So nice. much space. And the blueberries, like the thing was, usually you try to move stuff late in the fall when it goes dormant. Then you could dig it up and replant it. And then in the spring it comes back to life and everything is, it functions a lot better that way. And instead we're doing it in the spring in the middle of while of the middle of all the blueberries flowering and pollinating, but it looks like they're going to do fine. Yeah. Yeah. So you take a little bit of a risk with that Yeah. type of a move. Nice. So now we're finishing up a few things at this place and then in about a week and a half, we'll put this house on the market. Man, I'm sure it'll go super quick. Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, we hear stories about people right now getting 10, 20% over asking price. Yep. So, I mean, the house is beautiful. The neighborhood, you know, I think we outpaced the neighborhood with some of our improvements. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll definitely sell though. We're going to try to do for sale by owner though. So that's going to be another quirk. Man, save some money, dude. Yeah, we'll you know, see. You got- Give it a shot. Yeah, you'll you'll save yourself even if you uh, have to pay for the other realtor. Still, you save yourself three percent. It's big yeah. time. Yep. And when you're selling something for hundreds of thousands of dollars, three percent is not chump change. Yeah, that adds, that adds up. 
someone was saying we were talking about uh, inflation. Uh, a friend, a friend, and myself, and he mentioned that you might not see um, inflation really quickly with commodities, right? With things that you buy at the store, but you definitely see it in the housing market. Right. People, people think, oh, hey, I'm, I'm making all this money on the, you know, my house or whatever, but but go around and try to buy another house. <laughs> You're going to be yes. paying an inflated price. So yes, that's inflation, you know? It's part of why we decided to go ahead and sell now too, because we don't know how long it's going to last. And so we paid a premium for the place we bought. So it's kind of the reverse. Now we want to sell out a premium also so we can get that money back. So you're going to do some sort of orchard out there, small orchard. You got like three acres and then you want to do kind of an Airbnb or what, what, what's your plans? No, uh, the Airbnb maybe at some point, um, or a wedding city, venue or something. I know you guys have tossed this, around all the sorts city of is a little, a little restrictive on some of the stuff you can do, but definitely the, so land's newest thing is flowers. Yeah. Cut flowers. So she's doing a lot of, I don't um, even know what that means. What's a cut flower. Those are the ones that they're usually like in a, you uh, can just get the longer, stem. thicker stems that you could put in bouquets for weddings or for gifts. Opposed to not cut flowers. Which are just on a bush that you can't really cut right. them because they're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you All can, right, I'm with you. I'm with you. So like if, fit as well. If I buy a rose at the store, that's a cut flower. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> Got yep, it. Exactly. It's, it's so just a little more simple than I was thinking right. about. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know either until we just started researching them. And there's bushes and plants have been bred to work better. So a lot we have roses now that are knockout roses, but they're not really good for cut flowers. So there's other rose bushes you could buy that are. So is is the plan to sell these things? Oh uh, yeah. So yep. if if you go to well, okay, so it's like you and Angie. That's yeah. my plan. Right, right, right. <laughs> for right. Leanne, yeah, to do all the work. Yeah. And to sell them. Yeah. And then you can retire and have some, (laughs) some of that money coming in and. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) If you go to LA, you'll notice that uh, oftentimes you stop at an intersection and there are, you know, two or three, you know, guys selling flowers. It's, Mm. it's a, I don't know if it's an aftermarket type of a sale where maybe they get that from some of the flower shops and they're a little older. It's really convenient, especially on a holiday. I just, I found myself like, sometimes it's because the thing is there and is offered to you that you think, oh yeah, I do need some flowers or I could take some flowers home or something. That would be sweet. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's a uh, pretty, I don't know, pretty big panhandling kind of business. That's not the right way to say it, but you know what I mean? But I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed it too in other big cities, you know, where where you have, and it's often like a Mexican guy that's, you know, on the side of the road, it's got some flowers and stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That's that's a good idea. Weird thing about sunflowers too, they're really easy to grow. Yeah, but what do you do? How do you sell though? How do you monetize it? Have you looked into it? Same. So certain types of sunflowers, they have smaller heads and you can cut them off and vase them. But I mean cut. like logistically, are you hoping to connect with local stores or would Florists. you set up little booths or, you know, things like that? You pick. All the above? Yeah, you can do you pick. You are there you pick? And taking pictures. Are yeah. there you pick uh Cut flower places? Yeah. Oh, I've never even heard of that. That sounds fun, yeah. though. There's a sunflower place uh, nearby, and there's some some farms that started doing tulips. And people will go out there and take pictures with them and then, and you know, cut, pick their own and take them home. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I could see kids, kids into that. I want to get a bunch of homeschool kids out and do beekeeping stuff with them. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. To make a few bucks on them or? Yeah. 
Well, not just to make people, <laughs> but yeah. So honestly, I was thinking to do the educational part for free, but that's just a way to to say, hey, you guys come out here. It would be cool if you bought some honey. Kindness but, with an agenda, yeah. But feel, yeah, feel free. <laughs> loss leader. It's a loss leader in economic <laughs> terms. <laughs> yeah, but it would be cute to dress a little eight-year-old up in a bee suit and, you know. Get them in there. Send them out there. Yeah, get them in there. Now, Until they get stung and they stung and they swell up like a balloon. Yeah, it's by, back be. to that liability thing. Right. Yeah, but if you get the, the right kind of suit, they'll be pretty pretty good. I mean, Angie's yeah. has an amazing bee suit that we paid a premium for. And she has gotten stung through it, but it's only the very end of the stinger that'll actually. It's not as bad. No, no. So she, she kind of feels it, but it's not that big a deal. Right. So, yeah, get the right suit, man. Any kid can, can jump in there. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. So, what else, man? You had some other things that you were you were mentioning that we should talk about. I didn't go through my current events this week, so we're just going to have to spitball some stuff. So, well, one thing that other big news that happened was a week ago, Jaron and Christine, my son, my oldest, celebrated their one-year wedding anniversary. Oh, that's cool, yeah. So they got married in the middle of the virus the initial virus kind of fear stage where everybody was being really careful and um kind of uncertain so they actually moved their wedding date up because they realized they weren't going to be able to have a big wedding anyway and we just did it in uh in the backyard and streamed it and had a bunch of people coming by in their cars i think i talked about it in one yeah, earlier yeah, yeah. podcast. but so the one year anniversary came up and i thought you know i've been married over 27 years that maybe I have some type of wise, you know, marriage advice that I could share mm. with them. So I wrote them each a little letter and then I did a little post about it. So, and it was all pretty much basic stuff, I, I think. But, um, you know, Leanne read it and just rolled her eyes because she, she's like, she's like <laughs> this is all for show right here. Maybe you should do some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. It's like you know, you actually know what's what's right after all these years. Doesn't mean that you actually follow through with it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. One of the biggest things that hit me was that it all boils down to, and mom and dad would say this, it all boils down to selfishness. And and if you really love somebody, then you're gonna want them to be happy. And then they on the same turn are gonna look at you in the same way and they're gonna want you to be happy. And then kind of this competing selflessness should prevent either one of you from taking taking advantage of the other. Right. Right. So the risk is you have all give on one side and all take on the other. But assuming that you're in a healthy relationship, you both should be all give. And then you kind of that would just prevent so many of the issues that come up. So uh, that's awesome. Ideally. Exactly. Yeah. So what about realistically? So if, if that's your advice, my devil's advocate would be that it's again it's it's a great ideal but it's not reality so how do you handle the reality of the fact that you're not both going to be all giving all the time right i think i get i rate, graded myself and gave myself like a c or a c plus on that so that's and like I a thought, five out of ten yeah like maybe a six six yeah maybe it's a five or a six and so I thought the, the good thing about that, to your point, is then it's something to work on. Yeah. Right. So you could, we should be able to continue to improve, even if your marriage is in good shape. Right. And um, you can always make it better. So when typically, if, if you're being selfish, 
then, and it creates some type of friction in your relationship, then it's kind of the other things that you have to do is communication, it's forgiveness, it's, um, and, and, and again, I think it's a mind switch. Like if you get too emotional about uh, the argument, then you get to the point where you forget even what you're arguing about. Yeah. Right. And so you have to take a step back and communicate what, what your differences are and what bothered you. Part of my problem is after 27 years, I still miss out on the cues that she's giving me about what's bothering her and what she would like for me to do. And I think so, I think after 27 years it feels like that ship has sailed. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's only so much improvement keep, that can have. There's a ceiling I keep, here. I keep holding out hope. I'm gonna start <laughs> learning to speak Leanne's language. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and she thinks it's just an excuse. And I'm like, no, literally, I had no idea. All right, like, right, right. You know, and she to her, I'm not even trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but yeah, I could see so that. I, you know, it's like that classic thing. It, it's a Tim Hawkins joke, but it happened to us for real where she woke up so angry at me for something I did in her dream. And I was defending myself and she was actually mad. Like she was feeling angry. Yeah. Angie uh, often oh will gosh. bring up her dreams and like the emotions she feels in it. And yeah, it definitely influences the morning anyway. Right. It's really interesting how that happens. And, and and I could say, look, that didn't actually happen. I didn't do that. And her response was, well, her response was, well yeah, but, but that's something you would do. And so that makes me mad. <laughs> yes. It's something that was. Now you got me. That was something in my subconscious for some reason. Exactly. Because of you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I've I've always felt like I don't have everything together in my marriage. So I, I don't feel, you know, adequate to be able to give marriage advice. Right. At the same time, again, this is relative. So to some people, I probably have an amazing marriage. Right. Um, you know, and there's folks out there with way better marriages, you know, however you grade that. But the, the right. thing that I like to consider is when things get tough or hard or challenging in whatever way, it, whether that's arguments or dealing with finances or kids or whatever, um, I, I kind of think back to moments when I have seen examples of good marriages and of um, partnerships that have been lifetime commitments and mm -hmm. how I've felt when I've heard about them or seen them. So for mm -hmm. example, I remember seeing some kind of a, uh, you know, National Geographic or Discovery Channel special talking about, um, I don't know if it was uh, geese or, you know, it was some- Penguins maybe or Waterfowl, right? And it, it showed, you know, how they uh, mate, and then stayed together for life and raised the kids, you know, the, the, the kids, you know, raised the, yeah. uh, you know, baby birds together, you know, the chicks or whatever. And, right. and, and how that impacted me and how I thought, oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, like yes. there's something very special about this lifelong commitment. And yes. so it, it takes it from kind of, it's an emotional, it's emotional in a different way. Um, right but it's special in uh, maybe in the challenge of it, but in the uh, longevity of it. Um, 
uh, in the intimacy of being with someone for a long, long period of time and growing with that person and being, you know, a family with somebody. I mean, there's so many elements there that when I remind myself about that aspect, it's it's like I'm able to kind of come through or come around and say like, right. oh, you know, that's the thing that is special about what we have going on here. Yes. The commitment, the partnership, like you said, that was another thing that I mentioned to Jaron and Christine is that to look at it as a, as you're a team yep. and that type of thing, that type of thing. The, uh, when you're talking about the long-term relationships, it reminded me of a, I think it's called the Stanford study, but it's a really long-term study where they study people over decades. And then they start looking at their children and now their grandchildren. And as the people aged, they found that the number one measure of happiness for them. And it's like a survey that they would have these people fill out every year. Intense right. survey. Right. Um, the number one key, the factor, the metric that caused the most happiness was a committed relationship. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, or, or a set of a, a, a friendship group. And that was what the key, basically the secret to long-term happiness. And health, it tied into their health as well. Yeah, I've heard that too. And they talk about how socialization is such a big deal for older folks. Yeah. Did, now, are you the kind of person that when y'all argue, um, you're just kind of like, I'm going to say whatever it takes to get through this argument? Or are you the kind of person that like, I don't really want to talk about it. Like, I get it. You know, what's your, what's your MO? I think, I think I used to not engage. So she would get all angry and I just wouldn't even, I wouldn't, she would get all angry. It sounds like she's, <laughs> <laughs> she would come roaring. She always she comes in so mad. Yeah. Starts throwing things. Like, you know how it is. You know how she is. <laughs> if she would get upset about something justifiably or not, I just wouldn't engage in it. If we were debating about some decision, I just went engaged. Well, so then I don't know, through the course of our marriage, I started getting more uh, defensive about feeling like it was a personal attack. So then I would take it personally. And then I would just uh, try to, you know, beat her down with the strength of my argument, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm always right. Yeah. <laughs> and that just so makes her more so mad. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I think the if I'm trying to engage the right way, it's listening to what she has to say, acknowledging that what she's saying is right. And, and it, it doesn't matter fault. It doesn't even matter, yeah. really. If she feels hurt or wronged or like I did something wrong, then that's, I got to figure that out. It matters. And address it. It matters. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm still not, not that good at, I think that helps me diffuse the arguments, but it doesn't solve it, the underlying problems. Yeah. I found that I can get over something generally a little quicker. So I'll apologize for something and completely accept all the wrong and then just want to put it behind us. And and right. then I get upset when she's not ready to put it behind us. You know, she <laughs> right. needs some, some time to process that. And I'm like, man, I already apologized. I'm already sorry. I told right. you it was my fault. I'm not going to do it again. Let's go. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. It is true, too. Like, uh, just the the memory of past wrongs yeah. is will we'll rear its head when something similar comes up. Yeah. And so then if you have this negative track record in a particular area, then it makes it tough to recover. Yeah, she so Angie does not keep 
hold a grudge like almost ever about anything but just in the moment you know in the moment she like needs some time to process it it's like you know i just i just ramped up the emotions real high and then i'm gonna be like no all right we're done you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's one of the things we probably argued the most over was the kids were because she wants she is more engaged in helping them make uh decisions and even trying to tell them what they should and shouldn't do. And I was much more hands off. And so then she felt like I wasn't supporting her when she was trying to get them to do things. Yeah. You weren't team because up. I did, because I hadn't really bought into that approach to begin with, but then I needed to, you know, I, I think I'm better at uh, not uh, contradicting her at, in the moment. It takes right? a lot of effort though, to be that involved with your kids. It's, it's honestly, it's easier just to like, let things go, you know, and say, Hey, they're in something. I just don't want to dig into it. You know, like, I'm just going to let them do their thing, you know? Um, if there's some disaster, there's like a line where there's some catastrophe or disastrous decision that they're looking at making then we step in. Yeah. And my line is just way more lenient than hers is right well that's probably a good balance though if you're super lenient and she's you know more concerned than some where you meet in the middle i mean that's generally how i am i'm i'm more concerned angie's less concerned so sometimes if i find myself concerned i'll go to her and say hey should i be concerned about this is this something that's even been on your radar and then sometimes she'll say like yeah i see what you're saying and then we actually get into it and then sometimes she's like no like that don't even sweat that you know right so then i'm like okay Let's let it ride. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Yeah. A- another big thing uh, with relationships is just having the mindset when you go in that it doesn't matter what difficulties you face, you know, you're going to work through it. Yeah. So it's that commitment up front. And in Western culture, we've lost that. And my coworkers from India who still have many of them arranged marriages and especially with the coronavirus, they meet their fiance and their future spouse for a couple of days or a week in person. And then they're married. Yeah. But their divorce rate is super low. Right. Because that's their expectation is that this is how society functions best is when we can stay married and raise our families. So that's huge. That helps. I mean, that's huge with, with almost anything, right? So if you make a commitment to do something and you make up your mind that you're going to see it through, you'll probably see it through. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if you um, think to yourself that there's uh there's a w- easy way out, if I don't like it, then man, it's almost like human nature. You're going to take that, that way. Take out. the way out. Yeah. So what about a situation in a marriage or a relationship where, one person is giving, 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 and the other person is taking, taking, taking. Right. Or a situation where, um, yeah, maybe that in that situation, if you're the one giving, uh, or or even in a more equitable situation, is there not a place to be selfish? Yeah, I, I think I think you can't always give because you just run out of emotional and mental and physical energy. You can't, you have to, there has to be a give and take. Right. Is but, it- but the, but the, you know, and, and that definitely happens in relationships where 
and, and we've had it at times, obviously, in pretty much any relationship, I'm sure that happens sometimes. But if it's consistent and constant, then, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Isn't there uh, a verse in the Bible that references that? Love your neighbor as yourself. So you have to love yourself first. Yes. Meaning that, you know, if you want to extrapolate, you could potentially say you have to have time for yourself in order to have that self-confidence and that self-esteem and have enough to give to other people. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's exactly right. I mean, I think you've got to be able to if if one side of the relationship doesn't really want to make it work, then there's nothing you could do. Yeah. And I would probably encourage people unless there's some type of abuse or something to at least stick it out for the sake of your kids and stay together. It, studies seem to show that having two parents is beneficial for kids, but otherwise sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta get out, especially yeah. if it's abusive or if you're just getting drained. Right. Yeah. I've, I heard once, and I don't know how true this is. I guess I haven't looked it up that, and you you might have heard this too. Maybe this came from our parents, but that a divorce for a kid was more traumatic than a death. Right, because they're not saying goodbye. Everything is still there. The person's still around. The yeah, and it can be traumatic. Yeah, I, there's always and, a lot of blame too. Like the kids will think it's their fault, or if there's something they could have done to make it better. My kids will look at their friends who have divorced parents and sometimes they'll say like hey they get four christmases you know (laughs) they go to all the grandparents houses yes yeah yeah. (laughs) look on the bright side yeah i mean and it's never like you've talked about before there's no judgment these things you can make it you can have you can get divorced you can either start another relationship or stay separated and you can both take care of your kids and they can go back and forth and they can end up it's they can end up fine and that can work and people can be happy. It's just not the ideal. Yeah. But you know, this hats off to the single parents out there that are making it work. Definitely. This is work. Yeah. And I'm sure Leanne knows how they feel. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're talking about fostering. Yeah, you because know, our kids are getting older, and the kids have been the focus of our lives for twenty over twenty years, and we're like, well, now what? Well, so we got the farm and stuff, but uh, that's not. A, it's very meaningful to pour into kids. Oh man, dude, that's God's. It's very work. fulfilling. That's yeah. God's work, man. Doing, you know, helping foster kids that don't have parents. I mean, that I don't know. I mean, that, that's got a rate high up on there as far as doing good in this world. Yeah. And you got to go in like we would go in with the expectation that it wouldn't be a short term thing. You can't you don't want to be one of those parents that hops in there and then bails and the foster kids bouncing around yeah. to different places every month, just making things worse. I have um, an acquaintance here that fostered a child and man, they had just a really rough go of it. Yeah. So the the foster child had, you know, a lot of issues from yeah. all of the trauma that they had gone through. And man, I just 
shoot, I'm just, I'm impressed, but I'm also like saddened by all the things that went down. In the end, like they made it out um, and they probably did a lot of good, but man, they went through it. <laughs> you know, they yeah. went through some, some heartache. Yeah. And you got to be prepared for that. Yeah. But then again, I know some other, I know uh, another family who is fostering two kids. They, they were younger. So when they got them, they were younger. I think that that's probably right. It just seems to to make sense that if you get a, an older child that has gone through some things, it's going to be more of a challenge. Yep. The potential for the challenge is higher than, yep. than you get a younger person that you could pour some love into. Right. Yeah. To help, help shape them when they're young. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So what were you looking up? Uh, well, so I had one thing that I noticed, uh, and I don't know whose house we are at, but, um, I don't know if this is true for you, but let me tell you a story about one of the first Christmases that I spent at my in-laws house before Leanne and I got married, we were dating, maybe not even engaged at the time. And so I was over there at their house spending Christmas and I love eggnog. Right. Dad loved eggnog. You like eggnog? I love eggnog, man, but I, I can't drink the dairy like I used to. Yeah. And it's so many calories. I like, I try to be careful with how much I drink, but so they had some over there. And so we were, I was pumped. I hadn't had any yet for the season. And so I grabbed the eggnog out of the refrigerator, you know, got my glass cup, poured it into the glass and it came out in chunks and just <laughs> plot, 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 <laughs> splashing all over the place. That's a bummer. Rancid smell. Ooh, no. It was, I looked at it, it was like 10 days expired. E. <laughs> it was one of my first experiences over there. So now it's a joke. If I go over there and I'm going to have some milk or something, I'm always like, oh, what's the expiration date? I'm going to say we got to double check it. See, we never had to deal with that growing up because that eggnog would be gone in a day and a half. It would be gone instantaneously. <laughs> well, so then my son told me that one time at grandmother's house our grandmother at great grandmother's house that we gave him some spoiled chocolate milk so it was expired and we were like ah it's only a couple days expired it's no problem yeah you'll be fine and he drank it and traumatized was traumatized <laughs> by it it was just sour milk is nothing quite like sour it. milk is nasty so but i have a a theory that a lot of the the companies who put out food products um, they will put the expiration date early enough that they can have that thing move off the shelf and then manufacture more and make more money, right? So if you have, yes. if all your food items have this long expiration date on them, then you know you're They're not going to sell there. as much, right? You're not going to sell, right? Because right, you don't, you're not going to be able to turn them over as quickly. So right. in general, I think most expiration dates are probably a little early. Uh, maybe that's just you know me. Uh, my anti-capitalist <laughs> attitude or something. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's out to make a buck by right. shortening the expiration dates. <laughs> right. So is there a point, like, do you have anything in your house right now if you walked around that was expired? I was using some uh, Laird Hamilton coconut coffee creamer that was okay. expired this morning. Wow. And it was awesome. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> I I will no, normally I'll use that stuff in unless I taste it. 
right. not being good. So yes. even even um so we buy if we buy sandwich meat, it's deli meat, it's all mm-hmm. uncured. Um, you know, and so it has again shorter shelf life on it. Mm-hmm. And Angie will look at it and it changes colors. Like it sits, it gets like exposed to the light or the air or whatever, right? It changes right. colors. So right. Angie, as soon as it changes colors, if it doesn't look like pink, you know, if it's or, or whatever, it's not like a light right. turkey color. It looks a little kind right. of dark around the edges. She's like, right. oh, it's no good. And I'm like, man, let me smell that thing, right? And I go there <laughs> and I'm like, it's fine. So then I'll just, I, I'll, I'll, I'm sure to, if it doesn't taste bad, I'm good. Yeah. I have a little issue in this, and we haven't had deli meats in a long time, but when they get old and they get really slimy and you have to like peel them oh, apart because yeah, 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 there's yeah. all like gunk or whatever process. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, that can't be that. good for you. <laughs> all the slimy nitrates and, and, and nitrites what or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like slug refuse all over the inside of the meat. I mean, I, I imagine that most companies are getting better about the amount of preservatives that they put on things, maybe not, but I I think we've got wised up a little bit over the years. Um, But I was listening to someone the other day talk about um, break down the nutritional value of Chick-fil-A. Right. So there's a guy that Angie watches. I wish I could remember his name. I want to say his name is Bobby something. Do you know who this guy is that I'm talking Mm -hmm. about? Anyway, Bobby Flay. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) if I remember, I'll, I'll mention him next time because he's great. And he'll go through and he'll look at all the ingredients and tell you, you know, the good and the bad in the ingredients. And so he did a Chick-fil-A breakdown and he was talking about um, the nuggets in the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Right. And he's eating them and he's like, this is good stuff. Like it tastes great, you know. And as he's reading through, he's like, this is why he said, um, you know, not too far down in the ingredient list is MSG. So basically he was saying that MSG tricks your body into um, kind of this, uh, it does, it does something. There's a mechanism that causes you to want to come back to it. Right. So it, it becomes it's almost got an addictive quality, an addictive to, quality it. to it. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of the fast food that, that we eat that we're like, Oh, it's so good. I just want to, it's like, I can't just eat one McDonald's cheeseburger. Like I can, you know, eat three or four in a row, even though I'm full and I feel nasty afterward. (laughs) It's like, man, there's there's that element there. And I think uh, it was kind of eye opening for me to realize like, Oh man, that's, that's that MS, that's that preserver. That's that MSG kind of doing the thing. I will note, however, that of all the things you can get at Chick-fil-A, what's your guess as the healthiest option, um, the grilled grilled chicken, and that would be my guess because yeah. it doesn't have the fried breading on it. Yeah, right. The other thing about that fried breading is it has coloring, food coloring in it. What isn't that weird, man? Yeah, so, that so, is weird. So many things have that food coloring because you know whatever when they manufacture to make it, it look appealing. So the, the grilled eye. nuggets are they're probably second best there's something that's even more healthy than that so if you get the grilled chicken sandwich you get the breading which is right you know it's processed and you know whatever i mean they have grilled salads and things grilled chicken salads the kale salad when he read the ingredients on the kale salad i think he even said there's nothing in there that i'm you know opposed to it was like real cane sugar for the dressing and everything um so have you ever had it we just got it so i'll get the grilled nuggets that's typically my go-to right now because i'm trying right. to trying to be like more healthy just eating across the board right the kale salad is great yeah it's great yeah it doesn't look that good oh man you got to give it a go like it's I'll it's try it. even if you don't like kale i mean it has uh the dressing they use it they just mix it all in 
Do um, they have a grilled spicy sandwich there? They just rolled yes, it out here. I think so. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so hot. <laughs> like the regular spicy is the you know breaded and yeah, kind of that buffalo chicken taste. But the grilled spicy is like a black pepper spicy. Ooh, it's I, really good. Man, I like it all, dude. But I like I love fast food. To me, fast food is is awesome. Like a, a Whopper. Uh, you know, from from Burger King or or a Big Mac from McDonald's. Man, I could, I could, you could down put it. those things back. Yeah, but I, I haven't eaten. Man, I can't even tell you last time I had a burger from a, you know, McDonald's or, or whatever. And there's no expiration date on those things. No, man. man. <laughs> set that thing. Set that thing out. You can kind of forever. You, you can kind of tell when they've been out for a minute. Yeah, yeah, they get you know, a little stale. They sit in the yeah. little heater for a while. So, so do you think if we went to mom's house, well, Mark and Rebecca are there now, but if if they weren't there and we went to mom's house and rifled through the fridge and the cabinets, how, how much expired stuff would we find? Oh, probably a lot. A lot, right? So what? at what point do you quit caring or realizing that you have expired stuff in your house all the time? <laughs> I think you just... Huh. I think you just get older and you don't eat as much. So, so when you have kids around, you're kind of going through that food a lot quicker. But when you're by yourself or you're just you, you and your significant other, you just got things that sit around. I mean, it I'm just sure, piles up. I'm sure we have a couple of things in the refrigerator. I think everybody does. You have a couple of things. Have you ever like cleaned something out that was so nasty, some leftover? I, I don't have a big, I, it's not a big deal for me. Angie can't do it. Like she'll get to the point where she's like, I can't touch that thing. You know, it's like <laughs> the, the beans with the, you know, the culture growing on it. Yes. Yo, we have a. Or show that to Davin. He's like, man, that's awesome. Hey, we, so, like, so we have a SCOBY. Um, yeah. For kombucha. For so, kombucha, yeah. Yeah, so Angie was making kombucha for a while. And so she bought, we bought like, a, you know, a SCOBY from a, a local store. Okay. And, and she put it in a, a, you know, a glass with some water just so yep. it would grow and stay healthy. That yep. thing, it it is has a, a mind of its own. Like it is so big. <laughs> it is so big and it's so scary. And what's crazy is the kids it's watch like a glob. in it. I mean, like one night if it's dark, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm like going down there for a drink of, drink of water for jumps up and grabs me by the neck or something like that. <laughs> dude you gotta scare you gotta scare rain with the scoby scare oh dude oh my god! just get like a wet towel and just like drape it on his head rain scoby! i don't know what happened to him but he is he's so easily scared last night the the shed was open and he had gotten his bike out so i was like go shut the shed and he was like i don't want to go out there was it at night yeah it was at night that turned uh, all the lights on so it's like bright right, and he still didn't right. want to go out there he's scared you're gonna turn the lights off on him yeah so unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately he, he i'm like all right i'll follow you out there so then he walks out the door and then i shut it and i'm like i'm locking it <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like no and i'm like i'm just kidding i'm just kidding right and so then he's petrified and he's like looking at me he's, every time he walks around the corner he turns back around and looks at me so then so then i i i jump up on the back porch and i lay down on we have an outdoor couch and it, the right. back of it's facing where he was so i laid right. down on it so he couldn't see me and right. then i hear him get real still and i slowly raise my head up <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm like look if you're gonna make me come out here i'm gonna make it worth my while i gotta get some fun out of this somehow <laughs> uh, but that scoby so, thing was a trip because there was actually a kid's show that 
the premise was that exact thing was a, a scoby that came to life and like was <laughs> was you know coming coming after it was uh it was the terrorizing the house jesse show on disney the kids were watching it's hilarious i was like oh my gosh that totally resonates i guess there's enough, have to look that up. there's enough people out there with scobies that this is it makes it's sense. A sco- it's a scobophobia. Yeah. <laughs> scobophobia. <laughs> yeah. So wait, what? We, what? But what was it about the expired stuff? It just got you thinking. It was a premise. I just started thinking premise about of a bit. any of the any of the older people that I, that I know, and by older I just mean older than me. Uh, I guarantee that there's expired stuff. So we started naming people and we're like, oh yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, they have expired stuff. They have some cultured uh, foodstuffs in their refrigerator. (laughs) For sure. For sure. One time at work, uh, when I was working on the naval base, and a lot of people there were working long shifts. And so they would bring food in. And the refrigerator never got cleaned out. Like there was no, we were responsible for keeping the refrigerator clean. And it got so chock full and something burst and the fluid, the liquid came out and settled on the bottom of the refrigerator. Mm. And I came in after a holiday, like on a Tuesday and I must've been the first one to open it or nobody else said anything. Cause it made me gag. Oh man. Right off. I opened it. it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so then we called uh, facilities and they like roped off the area. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and had all these people come in to clean it up. And it was like some thick gelatinous goop that was horrible. And the refrigerator was packed full of, of food. That's disgusting. Yeah. So can you handle that uh, kind of thing normally? Or uh, I not, can handle it okay. It makes me, yeah, it'll make me gag, but I can handle it. Yeah. I can handle it. Yeah. You reminded me, um, you know, there's probably all sorts. Of, it's funny that they roped it off like it was coronavirus or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're saying it was like toxic. Uh, maybe toxic, toxic fumes and all this uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't know. want anyone. It, you're in a workplace. So if you have some uh, people that that want to get, uh, what is the word? Lit, lit, um, they want to litigate, you know? Yes. Yeah. Get, yeah workman's comp. Yeah. That kind of thing. That, that Yeah. I can see them. It may be them. nauseous. I have to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, but really, would it carry any kind of dangerous bacteria? I mean, maybe if it got in your system somehow. Right. But but that reminds me, uh, I've been playing racquetball with a, a friend of mine, and uh, we're playing at the university, and so uh, we're supposed to wear masks when we play because you have to be inside wearing masks. Um, right. But anytime you work out, and especially if you're running around like at a racquetball game playing hard, I have a hard time. Oh, it's tough, man. Wearing I a mask is, is a challenge, right? So yeah. you know, we would kind of like wear them, kind of half heartedly, and they kept like getting upset with us and. Um, the students what, would come, they come by and checking, they or come what? by and check. So student, the students, student workers. And they're like, you guys got to okay. get, keep your masks on. And then, the, then finally they're like, we're going to kick you out, you know? And so <laughs> the funny thing is my friend's a doctor and I'm a professor right. there. So we're right. like, we're like, man, we're being such a bad example right now for, for them, you know? And then we're putting the, the students in a tough situation to have to like, thing that makes get, it tough. yeah, having yeah. to get mad at us and stuff. So we were, I mean, every time we're like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know? But then as you're playing. Sometimes it actually falls down, and then sometimes right. you're just trying to get a breath, right? You so can't you just, breathe. yeah, you just kind of pull it down, you know. Yeah. So what I did was I was like, "Look, I'm gonna take the inside of this paper mask and just cut it out." So right. basically, I have this little film on the outside that's still like it shows that I'm wearing the mask. Um, 
you know, are, are we really doing anything? You know, he's had the shot. He's been vaccinated. You know, right. uh, we, my family may have gotten it already. So, so I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Right. right. I'm not worried about right. getting, you know, coronavirus from him. Right. So, you know, I, I would just prefer not to wear it, but, you know, at least for appearances, since that's the rules, we're going to have something on. And so I cut out the inside of the the paper mask, yeah. right? And and so like, it's easy to breathe through. Well, so right. he, he was like, oh, great idea, right? So he grabs his paper mask and he rips it. And in the process, he rips the outside layer off and leaves the right. inside paper <laughs> Layer. And you know, like it's so obvious it's and it's so ridiculous. And he puts it on, right? Right. And it's like he ripped all the, the threading off of one side, so it hangs real low on one side. And we're in there like playing racquetball and like running around. And the late the you know, the student workers are walking by, they'll give us a look and then they'll kind of, you know, just keep walking. So anyway, he's he's worn it for, you know, multiple days. The same one. The same, and I'm like that's nasty. I'm like, that thing is, that, I was like, man, that thing probably has staph infection. You know, I mean, that, that thing is <laughs> right. more dangerous to have on your face than any coronavirus. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps wearing the same they one. They get nasty. They get nasty. You got to yeah. wash it. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so Wouldn't funny. it fall apart too if you sweat all over it? It, it is. Yeah, it's, coming. Oh, <laughs> it's like you can see his face. Like you see him. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So more research is finally coming out about outside, about not having to wear masks outside. I'm seeing articles in like the Atlantic and Slate and other more liberal um, websites right. and magazines that are saying, what are we doing going for a walk and wearing a mask? Yeah. Anymore? Yeah. And then the, uh, the spraying we talked about before the, the theater of spraying every surface. Right. The CDC is saying, yeah, we don't need to do that. Right. Yeah. And I'm not an anti-masker. You know, Um, but, you know, it's just a similar kind of a situation where like, do I wear a mask with my family? Right. No, I don't. And, you know, I play racquetball with one guy twice a week. That's it. You know, so it's. And he's vaccinated. And he's vaccinated. Yeah. So there's, you know. Yeah. But yeah, this is speaking of. I wonder wonder what the nastiest nastiest mask is. (laughs) Yeah. Has one that actually has something growing on it that you could see. Well, so a couple of things that bothered me about masks, and one is the disposable nature, right? And we, I've I've seen a bunch just laying around in parking lots and out yes. as litter. Whenever we go for a walk, they're laying all over the place. And and I think, yeah. man, I wonder. They did a study in Canada. I think it was you know they picked one of these big cities like Edmonton or something, and and they did a study on um, K cups. I think you were telling me this. Mm-hmm. On K cups and how you know there were so many million p- pounds or billion pounds of K cup, you know, waste, and so yep. the guy that actually invented the K cup, you were telling me, right? The guy, yeah, he did. He is he sorry, sorry he ever did. Yeah, the more convenient something is, probably the less environmentally friendly it is. Just you know, it seems like those K cups are so convenient, and you just dispose of it. Are you pretty? It's, are you pretty tough. conscious of? trying to minimize your waste all those little things like that yeah definitely definitely something to be careful it's something that i don't know if it's just being older has caused me to be like that or just being more conscious of the fragility of the earth right or, or, or you know what i don't even think the earth is fragile because i think if humans were to disappear the earth would probably rejuvenate Recover. no problem 
Um, but, but maybe just the abuse that we have, we have done to this earth and, and again, even that's arguable, right? Because you could say that as part of nature, we're causing this thing. So we are Mm -hmm. natural and it's like the natural progression, you know, or whatever. Right. Right. But I I don't like We have the knowledge that we're harming. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I I love. Yesterday was Earth Day or a couple of days Yesterday was Earth Day. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I, re- I read somewhere recently that the rainforests, um, the Amazon was mm-hmm. putting out, was no longer a carbon neutral area because of all the fires. It was actually putting out more pollution than it, than it was cleaning up. Wow. Man. Doesn't that break your heart? Yeah, that's bad. So when I'm, when I'm doing good and it's, you know, maybe three quarter 75% of the time I take our food waste and I put it in a compost bin and I Mm -hmm. toss it outside in a compost pile Mm -hmm. and I throw the uh you know napkins that don't have grease on them I put them in the recycle bin you know but even that man I feel like some of that's just theater too like uh I I saw somewhere about how you know we ship off a lot of that recyclable goods to third world countries and they just throw them on an island or you know it doesn't yeah it doesn't actually get recycled yeah yeah I think uh, aware individual awareness is is key, I and mean, I think we're getting better. I mean, the technologies technology is going to help us solve those problems because, like yeah. the industrial revolution, I think I would think you would know a smokestack sitting in this you know just thick dark smoke up into the air is probably not good, right? But um, but they didn't have the awareness that we have now, and now we're able to make things cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. I, I think we'll be able to turn it around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's um, people talk about how Los Angeles in the seventies was horrendous. Mm. Like the smog was really mm-hmm. bad and how mm. it's much more clear than it used to be. Right. Um, you know, catalytic converters were huge. Now there's electric vehicles and there's, you know, they, they have a, there's a company out there called Lovecraft that takes diesel and they run it off of um, biofuel. Right. So, yeah, I saw a, I knew a hippie guy that drove his RV, his diesel RV on um, used cooking oil. Right. Yeah. That's what that Lovecraft company does. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he converted it and he, he drove around. It smelled like a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Went. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, even the buses here, the, the kids school buses, they have some sort of um, and I forget the acronym or the initialism, but it's like liquid diesel um emulsifier that's not the right word but it's something that they that they treat the diesel with so that right. then the the exhaust isn't the very it's not as it's not bad. the yeah the it doesn't have the heavy particles exactly in it. it's not crazy pollutant any longer and and it's true like when it drives by it doesn't smell bad right are you uh so I'm gonna switch switch gears I got something for you yeah you mentioned Canada earlier have you had any video conferencing mishaps have you had your kids walking or the animal or just something where you're on a video call and uh nothing major or did you witness it nothing major i've done actually the the worst mishaps i've had have been in text messages because i'll text often from my computer and Mm -hmm. i'll I'll, i won't pay attention to who i'm texting and i'll text something that not like horrible (laughs) but you know, something that was meant for somebody else. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to text my boss that thing. I don't think we, I haven't noticed anything major at work. And most of my coworkers now turn their cameras off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a big deal when uh, they asked us, we had a big meeting to turn our cameras on. 
and I turned, oh no, it was before they asked us to turn our camera on and I was doing a presentation. I turned my camera on and then modeled my shirt for everybody because mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I got a, I got a haircut, everybody. So I got my haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. new shirt that I got for Christmas and I walked in a little <laughs> circle. I just had to make a spectacle of myself. Have you seen uh, the Have you seen the one with the lawyer that has the filter? And uh, he doesn't have to turn it off. Cat filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that thing is legit, but it made me laugh so hard. It is so funny. <laughs> and there's one with the pastor. He was doing a devotional or something. He had and a filter stuck on. He was trying to do it on Instagram and it was cycling through <laughs> the filters. <laughs> one after the other and he couldn't figure out how to turn it off. <clears throat> but but how about this guy in Canada? You mentioned the study in Canada earlier. A uh, Canadian lawmaker caught naked during video conference. Oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. So he appeared on the screens of his fellow lawmakers completely buck naked, it says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he said, this was an unfortunate error. Yeah. yeah. Amos, that was his name. Amos. My video is Amos, his last name, I guess. My video was accidentally turned on. As I was changing into my work clothes after going for a jog, I sincerely apologize, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the leader of the opposition party, <laughs> he suggested that parliamentary decorum requires male parliament members to wear a jacket and tie and a shirt, underwear and trousers. <laughs> <laughs> I think and, like <laughs> those kind of things, I think, man, if they just come out and apologize for them straight up. You know, they're right. like, oh, yes, I I shouldn't have done that. I should have been dressed. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't have even risked it, you know, kind of deal. But the people that try to defend themselves, you know, like, oh, right. well, you know, they get angry. They get defensive or whatever, The you know. My thing is, I don't know if in my house, if I was the only one in the house, if I would go across a room without any clothes. Yeah, good have point. I ever done that? <laughs> yeah, just walking around naked. <laughs> I, that's just uh, it seems unusual to begin with, right? Right. And right. then to also have the video camera on, and somebody who took a screenshot, the guy, the guy was walking, and in the screenshot, he just happens to hold, be holding the phone in his right hand, and he had swung his hand in front of himself, oh, so the no. phone blocks his privates perfectly. And like screenshot. <laughs> that's awesome. So then they could post that everywhere, you know, and embarrass the guy. I mean, I I guess since I have kids, I'm conscious, especially like I, I most of the time I'll get dressed in the bathroom because our kids right. are all over yes. the place. So I'm not going to be yeah. walking around without any clothes on. Yeah. I had some like boxers on one time, <laughs> one time and I, I just ran out into the room and ran around and made all the kids scream and carry on like we used to do when we were kids. But yeah, I'm with you. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to be outside of my room or even the bathroom. Well, it's funny though, is, is rain loves to run around without a shirt on. Like he, any chance he, it gets warm outside, man, he just mm-hmm. throws a shirt, off. a shirt off. Yeah, he loves it. He gets out there. All right. So we also, we do a lot of animal talk, right? So did you hear about this? record-holding giant rabbit that was stolen. What? His name is Darius. He holds the Guinness's, Guinness World Records for the world's lo- longest rabbit, over four feet long. That's a big rabbit. And he was stolen, and evidently, a pet detective says the stolen giant rabbit is still hot and is a <sighs> smuggling risk. Yeah. So I like the fact that you got this Ace Ventura 
Yeah, Ace Ventura, man. Robert Kinney, a professional pet detective. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to figure out, you got this big rabbit in a cage out back. How do you know it didn't just escape? Like, why did they assume that it got stolen? Uh, My things I wanted to know. Well, and then your your mind, my mind jumps to the idea that the person who stole him was someone trying to set him free. I can't oh. imagine someone stealing a rap to sell in the black market. That I don't think that's going to make much in the underground, you know. Well, so well they said that maybe they're going to hold him for ransom. Oh. <laughs> that's I'd like to get get that note. That's an elaborate yeah, somebody, plan. Somebody cut letters out of a magazine and, you know, pasted them <laughs> on a rabbit. <laughs> Five grand or your rabbit. Well, it's you know, made into a stew. The other thing is, how much do those Guinness World Book of Records records hold up? You know, come on. I, how much is that worth? It's not much. I mean, I, we've yeah. watched, you know, there's so many YouTube videos. Uh, the Dude Perfect guys, have you seen them? Yes. Yeah, they, they'll do some. I think if you have enough money to pay for the Guinness guy to come out, you can you could come up with something and call it a Guinness World Book of Record. Yeah, like I've I've seen the most ridiculous things, like how many um, exercise balls, like like, uh, the Dude Perfect group, they did uh, rolling on their belly on exercise balls for the longest distance. So they lined up like 50 exercise balls and just like rolled on their belly across it. And, the and Guinness, dove on it. Yeah, the Guinness guy, it. the Guinness guy was there and gave him a certificate for it. Yeah, right. like, In a suit and a tie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know, it doesn't mean much. You got a four foot rabbit, you know. I'm sure there's yeah. other similar type of animal. I hadn't thought what you said because he probably got some publicity and they probably somebody wanted to set him free. Yeah, man, that was a PETA move, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. PETA is all about, you know, going against the man and, yes, you know, the, exactly. the law doesn't mean much to PETA if it's, no. you know, infringing on the rights of animals. Well, hopefully this pet detective is on the case. The pet detective. Figure, figure it Yo, out. Those Ace, that Ace Ventura <laughs> show, I, I was hearing like a piece of it recently and it's not PC. Oh, There's wow. so much nowadays so much. back on it. Dude, so much. Yeah. It's just like the PG movies of our youth are like PG-13 easily nowadays. Right. So we'll, we'll right. have the kids watch something. Like, I think we were watching <laughs> Men in Black or something. I think that's actually PG-13, but that's from, you know, early 2000s or late 90s or whatever. And right. um, they're dropping all sorts of language. <laughs> they were like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize they curse so much in this show. And you don't hear it. But then when you watch it with your kids, you notice. Yeah, it. you notice all that stuff. I've noticed that. Or if you're watching it with your mom. <laughs> yeah, same difference. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, I think I'm going to run and get to that student. Sounds good. But that was fun. Let's do it. Uh, let's keep it consistent. All right. That works. All right, man. That's a wrap. Right, have a good day. All right. See ya. See you later, brother. I'll see you, brother. <laughs>